Our scripture this morning is from the book of Acts, chapters 6 and 7. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. But opposition arose from some members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, and as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia Minor. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand against his wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say that they had heard Stephen blaspheme against Moses and against God. And so they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. And they brought in false witnesses who said, this man constantly speaks against this holy place and against the law, because he says that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and he will change all the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And Stephen spoke passionately his truth before the Sanhedrin. <laughs> when they heard these words, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at God's right hand. And he said, look, I see the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. When they heard this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the tops of their voices, they all rushed him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. And the false witnesses, meanwhile, laid their cloaks in front of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees. And he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he passed away. Here ends the reading of the Lord from long ago for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, will you pray with me? God, thank you for this time in this place. The opportunity to listen with joy and to be still. And in all of it, to hear what you're saying to us. I pray that you would continue to speak in this time. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. So a really important movie came out, the finale of finales. Have you all seen Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Someone is literally clapping. That is so amazing. 
I brought a clip from my favorite Indiana Jones movie for you today. This is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I've seen that movie like 30 some odd times. I don't know how many times you've seen it. Every time I see it, I go like this. That's the noise I'm making inside. Okay, so if you've not seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, his father, that's Sean Connery. I don't remember his father's name. You can tell me after church. Um, He's dying of a shot wound, and only water poured on his father's wound from the Holy Grail is going to cure the wound. So Indiana Jones has to find it, and he um, has to do it all himself, and he's got to take a leap of faith in order to make it all happen. So do you all feel like being Indiana Jones today? Well, all right, I like that. Or maybe Stephen, how about him? Are you messing with me? Just a little. This is a tough story, friends. This is a really tough story because this is a story about a person who does what's right. He does what he's supposed to do. He sees something wrong and he tells the truth about what's wrong to the people who are in power, who have the ability to change what is wrong, and he gets stoned to death for what he says. He's the first martyr of the Christian faith. So I'll say again, who feels like going out there and being courageous? (laughs) Leaps of faith are hard. 
Even steps of faith are hard. They require a lot of courage. Big and small movements for God require courage. So today we're telling Stephen's story. His story is in Acts 6 and 7. If you didn't have the chance yet, if you're um, reading along with us through the summer reading challenge book of Acts, I'll remind you, we've got a reading challenge going on right now. Read seven chapters a week um, through the through the month of July, and we're doing that all together as a church family. So maybe you read this story this week, but maybe you didn't. So just in case you didn't, here's what's going on. There are too many people to take care of in the church and not enough people to take care of them and not enough time to do all of the caring. Maybe that feels like your life. This is one of the jobs that, that Jesus gave the apostles, take care of the widows and the orphans, and they're trying to do it and they're doing it to the best of their ability, but pretty soon that's all they're doing. And this becomes problematic for them. So if you've got your Bible open, um, you can look there in chapter 6, verse 2. Uh, this is what they say in complaint. They're neglecting the word in order to wait on tables, which I think is kind of funny. I was a, a waitress for a while. <laughs> neglecting the word in order to wait on tables. This is not a sustainable solution for how the church needs to be run long term. So they do what any good member of a church does. They form a committee. And they find seven really wise, spirit-led men to be responsible for the business of widow and orphan care. And then that lets the apostles do what it is that God has called them to do, which is preach and teach and pray. Everyone has a job. This arrangement seems to work out really well for the early church because God's word continues to spread, um, continues to grow. The number of people who are faithful to Jesus seems to increase. And Stephen is the first one of these folks who gets selected. It says in the scripture that he's full of, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He does not only what he's recruited to do, but even more. It seems like he's performing some signs and wonders, some miracles. And then he sees a problem. He sees the religious leaders. These are people who have lots of clout, lots of influence in Jerusalem. They're being disobedient to God. They're rejecting the messages that God is sending, and Stephen could have stayed quiet, but that's not his way. We don't know a lot about him, but we know enough to know that's not who he is and who God has called him to be, so he says something. He trusts Jesus enough to speak hard and unpopular truths, to do a hard and an unpopular thing. He takes a leap of faith, and pretty quickly it comes back on him. Because just like most people, these religious leaders don't like being called out. Do you love it when somebody tells you a thing about yourself? <laughs> no. But Stephen is willing to do it, and he speaks with God's own wisdom to such an extent that they can't really have a good debate with him. So they do the sneaky thing instead to make him shut up. They cause him trouble. They plant lies about him being a blasphemer. They stir up the people against him. They seize him and bring him to the council. Does that sound like anybody else in the Bible? Sound a little bit like Jesus? So Stephen is given a chance to speak, and he talks more and more about their disobedience to God and about God's judgment on them. And they get even angrier, and they stone him. Because that's what you do to a blasphemer. You know, sometimes I read this story and I think, oh man, just be quiet. Because I know what's coming for him. There's lots of ways to think about what Stephen is doing, what he has done and what he's, what he's doing. You can call it foolish, 
reactionary, unwise, radical, but we're here today to talk about courage. So we're going to look at him in a, in a positive light. What he does shows extraordinary courage because he's part of this community. Have you ever told the truth to someone? Being their friend, knowing how they're going to react. He knows what these guys are going to say and what they're going to do because of what he has to say, but he doesn't live for them. He doesn't live for them. He lives for Jesus. So he takes the leap. He says the thing that needs to be said, even though my guess is that there is quite a lot of fear going on inside of him as he says it. You know, like I said, in the children's moment, I think it's really easy for us to imagine that courage is reserved for movie characters like Indiana Jones or for extraordinary humans like Bible characters, Noah, Moses, David, Abraham, Stephen, or even for people in our historical record like Harriet Tubman and Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr., these people whose stories we tell over and over and over that we hold up as these paragons of virtue and courage. It's easy for us to think that courage is reserved for people like them. And it's easy to think that maybe courage is fear-free. That courage is a fear-free ability to do the big and scary and difficult thing because we know that it's right and so we're able to do it. I don't know any of those people whose names I've just listed. I don't know Stephen or Harriet or Anne or Martin. Maybe they weren't afraid. I don't know. What's your guess? Because I have seen Indiana Jones. And what does he do before he takes that step out? He's scared, isn't he? I can tell you from watching that clip, he's afraid. My guess is that most people who do difficult things are terrified as they are doing them. Storybook character, movie hero, historical figure or not, just like you and me. Courage isn't the absence of fear, friends. It's doing the thing even when you're afraid. It's moving forward. It's taking this step, even maybe taking a leap alongside the presence of our fear. And it doesn't come from us. You don't have to find it from within you. The ability to move forward does not come from us. What does, what does Sean Connery say to, to Indiana Jones? You just got to believe. Our ability to have courage comes from our faith. You don't have to look inside yourself to take courageous steps or courageous leaps. Where does Stephen look? right before they kill him. He looks up. He looks to heaven, and he's able to see God, and he's able to see the glory of Jesus, and that gives him to courage, the courage to do the thing that needs to be done. Our courage comes from God. When we look to Jesus and when we trust him, we are able to see our fear rightly. He doesn't eliminate our fear, but he helps us to recognize that while that fear is tough, while it is scary, it's not going to kill us. Our fear won't kill us. God frees us from the control that the fear has on us and helps us to move forward with courage. He's not going to leave us alone to do the big courageous thing. But we've got to be honest with ourselves and recognize that in some way, shape, or form, fear has control over part of our life. We each have a little voice. Maybe yours is inside your head. Maybe yours sits on your shoulder and whispers in your ear or speaks to your spirit. And it says, that's dangerous. Watch out. Just wait. Are you sure that's a good idea? 
Or what if that happens? Or you can't, or you shouldn't, or you won't. That's the voice of fear. It says no to the new thing. It says no to the right thing. It, it cautions against change. It discourages growth. The counsel who condemns Stephen is listening to fear. Did you hear it in the scripture? That Jesus of Nazareth, he said he was going to destroy the temple. This Stephen guy, he's going to take away all of the laws that Moses gave us. Our customs are going to change. The voice of fear comes in a voice of worry and doubt. Their fear speaks so loudly that they're not able to hear when Stephen is speaking the truth to them. The voice of fear clouds their vision so that they're not able to see what, what Stephen is telling them about heaven. You and I, there's, there's fear everywhere in our world, and it's really easy to listen to. So if you in some way, shape, or form are hearing this and thinking, well, I'm listening to the voice of fear, let's not get down on ourselves, please. We're humans. Let's recognize that fear is really easy to listen to because it's loud and it's insistent. We fear what we know and what we don't know. We fear what we've seen and what we haven't seen, what we've heard and what we haven't heard. Where have you experienced fear the most? I don't know about you, I see it a lot right now in our national political conversations. I see a lot of fear there in our conversations about the climate in our conversations about the future of the church as we parent our kids or watch how our grandkids or our great-grandkids are getting parented or as we look at our health and take stock of it or as we contemplate the future. There's lots of challenges out there, aren't there? That we just don't know how to face, right? Did your life come with a, with a manual, with a step-by-step -step instruction guide on how you're supposed to do all the things? No, it doesn't. And because it doesn't, we fear and our fear overtakes us sometimes. And as long as we're looking to ourselves, as we're relying on ourselves and we're listening to our own voice, as, as long as we're relying on ourselves to be the source of our courage, fear always will. It'll always win if we are only listening to our own voice or the voices of other fear-filled people. But there's another voice to listen to. That's what I came here today to tell you. There's another voice to listen to. There's another place to look. Stephen shows us where to look. He looks up to heaven. He keeps his gaze fixed on Jesus. So when we are looking for and listening to God's work in the world, God's voice of challenge, God's words of encouragement, God's promise of love, we hear a different voice. My, my guess is that if Stephen had looked uh, to the council the entire time that he was being condemned, he probably would have been frozen in his fear and he maybe would not have acted. But because he keeps his eyes focused on God, even in the most awful situation, he's able to be steady and clear. He's able to keep on sharing about the love of Jesus as he takes his final breath. We're not called to replicate everything in this story here, okay? But one of the ways that we are being encouraged to live is to not live for this world. We live for Jesus. We don't listen to 
the world's voice. We listen to his voice. We don't look to the world for all of our solutions, all the answers to our problems. We look to Jesus, and God is calling each one of us to live and to act courageously, but that can only happen if we keep our eyes, our hearts, our ears, all of it fixed on Jesus so that he can give us the courage that we need to move forward with joy even in the middle of our fear. I don't know your story. I don't know your story, but maybe you are being called to live and to die like Stephen did. One of the things that I'm so thankful for is that Scripture reminds us over and over again, his story reminds us that following Jesus, like really and truly following Jesus, where he leads us to the people who need him, in the places that need him, it's not always a picnic. It's not always easy. It might be pretty simple, but it's not easy. If we're following Jesus, he's going to ask us to do something that takes us outside of our comfort zone. And that something might cause us fear. It might cause us suffering. At the very least, it's going to cause us to move from where we are to where God wants us next. Take a step forward, maybe even a leap forward. Following God isn't always easy. Ask Noah. Ask Moses or Isaiah. Ask Jesus. Look at the cross. Ask Stephen. Sometimes calling, the calling that God gives us is to do the big, serious, difficult thing. Sometimes our next move is a leap, but sometimes it's not. Living a courageous life doesn't always require a life and death decision. Sometimes the courage is just a step. There are countless ways to live out God-given courage. I see them in all of you. I see them in our life together. It's courageous to admit I messed up. It's courageous to ask for forgiveness from another person or from God. It's courageous to let go. It's courageous to face up to tough news or to tell a hard truth to someone that you love or to explore faith after a lifetime of uncertainty, or to come back to faith after a long time away, or to say, I love you, or to get up in the morning, it's courageous to try again. God is calling each and every one of us to courage, friends. How is God calling you? Is yours a leap? Is yours a step? Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear friends, we are